So first of all, I think it's kind of a uh, misnomer because they definitely do not work at nine to five. It's kind of like love your 4 a.m. to 11 p.m. And I'm really um, frustrated with the education system as it is because I really don't feel like it delivers on what it promises you, which is, you know, I guess life clarity. After my graduation, I remember giving my mother uh, my, my um, diploma. I'm like, well, here, you, you, know, you paid for this because I really didn't value it. That's, that's the point. Caution, you will begin to love your nine to five with this show. Join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to this next episode of the Love Your Nine to Five show. I'm really excited to be joined today with a very special guest. My guest today is Rabbi Jacob Rupp. Uh, He's the host of the Lift Your Legacy podcast. He is a coach, a body and mind coach and Lots more has a very interesting background, and we're going to be discussing today the, um, what are some ways, some tactics um, that he's been successful himself, uh, really trying to create a career that works for him and help others do the same, and discuss a little bit of you know some tactics that we can all learn from. But before we even get too far in, tell me a little bit more about who you are, what, what is your background, and kind of how did you get into what you're doing right now? So first of all, I think it's kind of a uh, misnomer because I definitely do not work at nine to five. It's kind of like love your 4 a.m. to 11 p.m. But, uh, but uh, you know, thank God I do, I do love that. I grew up in the Bay Area um, to, to, you know, what I thought was the typical family. My father worked in corporate America. My mother was working in corporate America and then stayed home to raise us, which based on the era in which I was raised during the, you know, the power woman parts of the 80s was seen, she, you know, she really had to take a risk to kind of take on a more domestic role. My, her family was not supportive of that. Raised me with what I call now when I'm working with other people, a very, uh, I guess you could say privileged mentality, which was that I had to love what I did. And oftentimes now I compare it to friends of mine who have that entrepreneurial bug and they're busy selling things when they're like five years old. That totally was not me. Uh, I did work extremely hard through school. My mother pushed me Unfortunately, my, my parents' relationship deteriorated, fell apart. My father was an alcoholic and was emotionally abusive. So I think both for my mother and for me, she pushed me really, really hard in school um, to the extent that I really never had a lot of, I had some social life, but it was all very, you know, it was like uh, I went from art and piano and I, you know, I, I did ballet. I, that's by the first time I said that publicly for a couple of years. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then in school, it was, it was hours and hours of homework a night to the extent that when I got to college, I literally, and I joke about this also because I now in a lot of cases work with college students and spent eight years of my life working in a college environment, but I literally didn't work and I didn't do any homework and I was able to get A's and B's at a good university just by coasting because I, I loved history and I just would naturally read it and I never went to class and I never studied. And I'd almost say that I want my kids not to know that, but on the other hand, I'm really um, frustrated with the education system as it is because I really don't feel like it delivers on what it promises you, which is, you know, I guess life clarity. That's why we spent all the money for it. Um, you know, challenges, stuff like that. I, I wasn't challenged. I remember giving my mother, which I don't recommend anybody do, but at my, um, at my graduation, I remember giving my mother uh, my, my, um, my de- diploma. I'm like, well, here, you, you know, you paid for this because I really didn't value it. That's, that's the point. And wow. again, you know, most, most people would look at me coming from my quote privilege background, which of course, to be, to be totally honest, I think everyone has privileges. Everyone has a lot of negativity that goes on in their life, you know, um, and they say, you know, how could you, how could you so 
demean the American, the American dream, but the American dream, like what, what was it? You know, I did what I liked, but then it, it turned out that it was a highly, largely in a lot of cases, unmarketable skill. Uh, being 100 pounds heavier than I am today, I had a hard time in a lot of cases beating girls. And so one of the things that I did was I went out to my local, uh, I'm Jewish, and I went to my local Jewish college uh, you know, group uh, trying to find a, a suitable uh, person to date. And I ended up meeting my wife, who uh, I met her as an 18-year-old. And we, she was uh, growing up, she was Hungarian. And so she grew up you know, in communism, and they were very anti-religious in any kind of religious observance in general. She became much more religiously observant. I loved her, and so I started looking into it a lot more. And it was amazing because, and I, I tell a lot of people this, you know, the, the really big stars in the world, in a lot of cases, they were, there's, there's an element of luck. You know, if Steve Jobs was 10 years too early, or Jeff Bezos was 10 years earlier, or, uh, you know, DJ Khaled, for those of us that, uh, that, are, that follow, you know, him, you know, if he was coming 10 years later after Snapchat, Gary Vaynerchuk after YouTube. So again, there are all these great entrepreneurs in the world, and, and I don't in a million years ever, you know, you never minimize the hustle, but you have to realize that there's an element of opportunity in, in the world, and when they come to, when they come to, um, to, to, to creating a level of change. Again, someone else would have created Amazon. Someone else would have created the light bulb or the cure to whatever you want. So I was at one of those amazing crossroads in the sense that there was a bunch of money that was going into college uh, outreach where I could be paid a really good salary to essentially work on inspiring young college students to grow in their personal and religious observance. And I found the work to be unbelievably uh, valuable. Um, it was it was like the, all of those things to make a dream career, which was that I was I got it when I was young. I was really good at it. It was deeply fulfilling. I, for the first time in my life, had disposable income, which of course I disposed of very quickly. Didn't save it, even though my expenses were relatively low at those days. And what happened was, and I, this could be a long answer to a short question. What happened was, oh, we'll take it. Okay, good. I had to develop myself professionally. And I just, you know, a lot of people use my position as a stepping stone to take on bigger and you know, more profound responsibilities. I was just really good at what I did. And I really liked it. And we were enjoying living in Los Angeles. And what happened was, as our family grew, um, and my skill set, you know, I got better, but I didn't really figure out what my next step was. And, and that was never part of part of what I was thinking about, or I didn't have that entrepreneurial set. Because again, you know, the, the greatest thing my mother would say is that if there's life insurance available, or not life insurance, excuse me, health insurance available, like take the job. doesn't matter what they pay. If the benefits are good, take it. And I was working crazy hours, working really hard. We were hosting over a hundred people at our house for meals uh, on a weekly basis. My parents fall apart in their marriage and, and, and the relationship I have with my dad. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. Our set wasn't necessarily like a I was like a, 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 a you know, a rabbi, pastor, you know, pastoral role, rolled into a life coach, rolled into a, um, you know, life accelerator together. And it was really hard to put down paper what I did. I changed people's lives. And that was amazing. And I got such a high off of what I was doing that when I looked at the sales world and I tried to, you know, think about other kinds of careers, nothing really stuck. Um, so what ended up happening was I grew too big for my britches, so to speak, and I sort of threw down into my, but I also amicably walked into a place where I have absolutely no idea what I was doing in my life, and I had four kids, and I sent my kids to private school, and we live in California, where real estate is very high, and we didn't want to leave, and we didn't want to give up our lifestyle, and as someone that associates money and material success with, I guess, personal success, you know, the idea that I couldn't command the same level of salary was terrifying. I, I didn't command any salary. So I took a job that wasn't a great fit for me. It didn't pay as much. And 
was, I hated my nine to five and I couldn't do it. And it was the exact opposite skill set uh, of what I had. And I, I'm very, what was that? What was that job? I was, I, was te- I was teaching in high school and I say that, that I hated the job, not because I didn't like the people I worked with. I worked for an amazing person for an amazing institution. I worked with amazing, the students were amazing, but the job was a terrible fit. And so right. actually told me took it. Um, no, I mean, that's all it takes. I mean, that really could do it. But let's try to fast forward now a little bit. Yeah. Now that we understand a little bit more about um, about your background, some of your uh, tell, tell us what are you doing nowadays? And do you feel like things are kind of coming together? Things are coming together in a really, really big way. So the cool thing about having nothing was that you really have to learn how to do everything yourself. So uh, I lo- I've always sort of loved media, but I found myself not really having the rabbinic platform or the, 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 the influencer platform that I wanted. And so like anybody, I started taking courses. Uh, I just bought them for thousands of dollars on the internet. And then I realized that the courses don't really actually teach you how to do anything, except, you know, I guess to think differently. And I definitely started, and that was definitely something that was profound, but I really had to learn it myself. And so I built my podcast because I I'm going to I'm going to cut in right there. I mean, this is something which which I think if ever if there are any listeners out there that think they can't do any skill or make any life change, what you just said is so profound. There's so much. There's an not infinite. It's finite, but there's such a large. Uh, you could be on you know on the internet on YouTube or paid courses and just consuming awesome awesome content, teaching you real skills how to make real changes in your life. This is like the, this, uh, the opportunities that exist now are, is unparalleled in history where you can, you know, you're not going to old archives, looking up documents and trying to make connections and writing letters and this, and this stuff is all available instantly, but go on. No, so I think that, that ultimately it was, it's, you know, it's, it's that recognition that skills could be learned. And I was very upset and kind of the, uh, the uh, wrong, wrong analogy potentially, but the cross that I carried for my previous job was that I didn't prepare myself enough. And I, and I didn't know, develop professionally. And so I got really into that. And I, and I started taking some risks with business. I started actually um, hired a business coach, which, you know, for someone that doesn't have a lot of money, is kind of scary and not kind of very scary. My first business coach was a complete waste, but I learned how to say no. And I learned how to renegotiate and say, I'm not paying you the crazy amount of money that you want because you haven't done anything that I want. And I found another business coach and I right away started building clients. Um, I had started a podcast, which... I, again, like I mentioned, I saw a hole in the market. I saw something was missing. And I think that's also um, a, a very unique uh, concept that everyone can really figure out you know, what's, what's missing when you're bringing your experience to bear on a certain media or a certain area, a certain platform, where are you? And that's how you start really, I think in a lot of ways, start loving what you do is there has to be a you in the, the stuff that you're doing. And if you're just another cog in a wheel, then again, and it's funny because we, we spoke a little bit about this. I don't know a lot of people that hate, hate their jobs, probably because I try to hang out with people that don't. Um, but if you're hating your job, it's because you're not in the work that you do and you don't see how your work makes any difference in a lot of cases. And so I did have experiences like that in my life where I felt that. I worked in retail, worked in restaurants, a bit of garbage man, I've done all that kind of stuff. But finding my voice and taking the risk of everyone thinking you sound stupid and what are you doing now? That was, it was amazing. And so, you know, I've- So, so let me cut in there for a second. And the fulfillment that they could, and they, in my opinion, they, they must be getting out of their job to make that something that's worth um, in that environment. Uh, yes, there are, there are plenty of people who, who really hate their jobs and they just feel frozen into wherever they are. But at the same time, <clears throat> all those people who are, they're just, they're just not in the zone uh, to me, it's like either you're on fire or you're dead. Now, you know, there's nothing in between. If you're just coasting along, then, then that's death. Go ahead. 
No, I, I, I agree. I think the, the question is ultimately that I think for a lot of our, um, you know, I guess it depends on the, on the narrative of history that you take, but, but we live in a world today where you have so many options that either you have to get meaning from your job or you have to create some, you know, mechanism of finding meaning that in addition to your job. But I, I feel like that ultimately so many opportunities exist in the world, especially if you're capable. And, and again, I'm not, a, I'm not a crazy risk taker, but if you're working in a job that you're not enjoying and the opportunity to grow and to get better at the job doesn't exist, which I, again, also I, I have a very hard time doing that because even if you're in a job you don't like, there is always elements that you can learn you can get better. Absolutely, absolutely, so, that's true. You, right. you know, in order to make drastic improvements into into one's professional setting, you don't necessarily need to make drastic changes. Going over to your manager and saying, "Listen, you know, I'm I feel like I'm not growing. I want to take on more responsibility." Uh, even before you discuss, you know, payment, that in itself, you know, many times you can grow further, and, and managers want to hear that. But think, let's. Yeah, yeah. Let's get just a little bit specific here. So for our listeners who you've clearly gone through a major transformation um, more than once in your lifetime, and I would probably assume that, that you're not done. <laughs> I uh, yeah, none of us are. We, we still have so much more to do. So we know clearly that we each have our own unique skills. We have our own unique talents that no one before us ever had and probably no one ever will and that we need to bring out. But you've clearly gone through some serious exercises in finding what it is inside of you that that gets you to what what makes you unique if for our listeners who are struggling with this and they're saying okay i have this job or even if i have this business i'm doing whatever i'm doing how do i really define what it is that's me and more importantly you know some of our listeners have been listening to some of these podcasts and they already have done a lot of these exercises or from other places are just in touch with who they are Perhaps they have a basic idea, but now how do I apply that practically into my personal and professional life? How would you approach that? So it's a great question. So first of all, I think that you took something for granted that a lot of people don't take for granted. And I think that you have to stop and really think about that, which is that you do actually have a unique set of skills and a unique purpose. And, and even if you, you know, get up and go to work and are married just like the next guy, the process that you took to get there and the different ways that you go about your life and what irks you and what excites you, that's all totally unique. And we live in a world that we don't look to try to figure out our uniqueness. We actually try to blend in. And I think with the prevalence of social media, that need to blend in extends far beyond areas that it never, never used to before. So first and foremost, I think the most important step is to realize that you actually do have that a tremendous, you know, unique opportunity to be yourself. That's that's point number one. Then you ask, how do you go about doing it? So again, we we oftentimes really try to overcomplicate things. The first thing is that we have to accept the fact that if we don't know what we're doing, that's actually part of the show. That's actually part of the game. Because what most of us do, certainly I was one that did this, and I see this with tons of my clients, is we beat up on ourselves and we're so upset that we don't have a calling in life just like everybody else does. The reality is most people don't have a calling, and the people that have a calling oftentimes are even more haunted by how they can better make their, uh, better make, you know, take advantage and, and, and blow up. You think Jeff Bezos was happy once he started making money with Amazon? No, he had this really big, really big image of what he wanted to create, and he probably, hopefully, is still haunted. You see, Bill Gates is still haunted by his drive to, to, to create by what he's doing with his charitable work now. So the, the second thing is, you know, not beating yourself up for not knowing where you're going. The third thing is once you can hopefully take the pressure off and just say, okay, so I'm good. What can I figure out? If you look at your life when you felt um, 
when you felt at peace, when you felt like time sort of still, you know, holds still, or times that you really enjoyed, what did you enjoy doing? What are the common themes between the things that you enjoy doing? So I was always into creativity, right? I was always into things where I was trying to overcome and beat, you know, kind of beat my, my records, whatever it might be, get better. I was always loved working with people. So detail oriented work, um, you know, where it's, you know, all execution and no thinking about it, no creativity. So I can wipe all that stuff off the board. It's just a matter of trying to find enough of things under an umbrella that all really resonate with you and then figure out how do you practically, um, apply that and that's the answer to the third question which is if you've already done the work but you're still frustrated that's um, because I don't think you've taken enough action yet and action doesn't mean success I had someone that I was counseling the other day and she was saying that I you know what if what if I fail and I think that if you look at everyone successful there's no such thing as failure until it leads to, you know unless you give up and either you win or you learn i've heard that from more than one successful right exactly right so you right no so you you know you go bouncing into these different people and you know you maybe you don't get the sale but you learn how you know how to close better next time or you learn you know what not to say to a prospect so if you have that mentality that i figured it out but i'm not getting i'm not you know then you feel like you're really spinning your wheels that the solution to that is just just start taking risks. Go ask people, you know, to subscribe to your service. Go, go try to, you know, get more business. Go try to ask for more challenging work, as, as you mentioned. Okay. So, and I appreciate that and, and that uh, very systemic answer to each one of the points that I brought up. Uh, I want to just branch off now a little bit because I know that uh, we do, we share a unique background um, in, in the fact that we're obviously, we're both Orthodox religious uh, Jews in, in our business life. And we have certain backgrounds, we've both been involved to some extent in teaching and sharing that message. Um, and you mentioned before how you thought that those skills were not transferable. Um, I don't know if I agree with that hundred um, percent. I know I've done a lot of work myself trying to see um, which of those skills, if any, are transferable or even in depth, yeah, go ahead. You don't like no, what so I just to, said. To, to be perfectly honest, what, what I had trouble doing was, was articulating how the skills are transferable because I never really had to. And, I, and, and again, that's, that's also one of the big challenges that you could make. You know, if anyone wants a great business idea, learn how to help other people talk about their skill set in a way that doesn't sound arrogant, but just but practical, like what can you do? Because a lot of the stuff that we do well, we don't know how to articulate what we're doing. Because, and, because you do it so well and you take it for granted. Right, and, right. So you assume, so you assume that, yeah, I, I can do that well, but who can't? And then right. people so, say, no, maybe I, I can't do that. that. That's something you can do. Right. So I, you know, so I naturally, I thrive off of attention. So if you want to throw me in front of 10,000 people, I will not write a speech um, because I, I get, I get like high off of the idea of being able to try to connect with an audience and try to speak from my heart. And again, maybe one day when I'm, when I'm, you know, I don't know what, when I would ever start to write things down, everyone's always telling me to do things, but I've always been, you know, I just love the ability to create like sort of an organic discussion with people. Um, the, the, the transferable skills of being a teacher, I think, are, are unbelievably marketable because at the end of the day, a good salesman is just going to be a good teacher. The pushy salesman, I think, is dead. Everyone knows that. Social media, if you're just sales, you're, you're you know, like no one, you're gross. So, 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 I mean, you're saying as a teacher, I know it didn't work out so well for you and that wasn't a good fit. But I know that what you, the work you've done on the, in the college campus arena has been amazing. Now, I know others who do similar work. Uh, to what you've done in your past. And I was telling them about some of their business opportunities that, you know, how they could use those same skills. And um, I know someone that I talked to about business. I speak to him about, for me, you know, different business opportunities. And he's amazing at it. I said, do you know how much a coach would charge for the advice you just gave me? He's like, how much? And I told him a figure. 
And he's like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, I do this for 15 hours a day and I don't get a <laughs> get my salary, but like, I don't get a dime for it. Here's the point. Oftentimes, that, I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest things when I start working because I have a really soft spot for people that, are in, that were in my situation, as I mentioned, and taking a person from a nonprofit position to a for-profit position, even if they're going to wind up going back into nonprofit, they don't have, not because they're like desperate for the money, but because they actually care about the cause. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that that what you mentioned is so fundamental because having a person realize there is a value that you can put a dollar sign to. And oftentimes they are already doing it. They already really like doing it. I was saving people's marriages left and right. Then I realized like, you're going to pay how much money to account? I literally built a service that I was helping people do. And I just found out this guy paid $4,000 for it and got nothing in return. When it, so the ability to learn how to monetize your service Right. When you are actually helping people, you actually can do something good. And even if, if you're saying, well, I can't do anything good. So then just learn how to do something well. Right? I think that itself is a very important skill set. And one of the primary skill sets that a person transferring from a, you know, kind of the, a, a job where they are an employee or they're working in a nonprofit to wanting to have more options has to really learn that that's just your mind has to work different. Right. So, so I think, I think that is probably the most important point that we said already uh, today is that so many of us are doing so much in our personal lives or in our off time lives, in our vacation or, or in different parts, you know, and we comp- com- we make that into a separate compartment. And we say that, that, oh, that's what I do on the side. That's a charitable thing. That's something that might be religious, might be a different category. We don't realize that uh, some of those skill sets are really amazing skill sets that are completely transferable. I know that um, from my background that spending, you know, my time in yeshiva studying, you know, the Jewish Talmud for, for many years, and then just coming and, you know, just kind of coming out into the business scene, knowing nothing. Um, literally, I don't know if I've shared that before on this medium, but those are the facts. Um, I thought that it would, I was going from one world, studying ancient texts and the original, you know, uh, language and, you know, really deciphering every single letter and going to the, the business world. And I didn't realize that until probably months, maybe years later, that so many of the analytical uh, discussions and the practical ways of seeing different things. And the, there were so many of those skills of just the way of thinking and and coming up with new options and, you know, for any problem. and you know, when there's two options, there's really three or there's four, and then maybe there's five and then do it a whole different way. And there were so many times that, you know, when there's a certain problem and these were the options and all of a sudden the third option comes and, and these, these skills are, are so transferable. But like you said, it's sometimes hard to articulate. And a case in point is that there are, there are now so many CEOs, startups um, from not just Israeli companies, which some of those are very famous and have turned into multi-billion dollar companies, but, but I think it's with a B, some of them, but, um, but there are so many people who come from backgrounds who they still don't speak English and they've come up with all sorts of genius products and services. And they do very well because they found a way to, to, you know, to come and create a product or a service. That doesn't mean everyone should be creating businesses, but that means that in anyone in any background that they have, some of the things that you might do at home, some of the things that your family comes over to you and they say, you're the go-to guy for this or that or the other thing, those are things that really could be marketable. And now with, with the internet, you can market to anyone anywhere in the world, especially if you don't have a physical product. What are your thoughts about that? No, I, I, think, that, I think that what's very important to recognize is that we are very good at whatever, whatever we do over and over and over again. And what that essentially creates within us is that sense of mastery and being able to move 
with that sense of mastery into something else and realize that it all connects with each other. And the way that you know that you're automatically already doing that is you always give examples and the stuff that you care about, right? So if I, you know, I don't know as much about sports as I would like, but everything basically comes down to me to either some kind of historical reference, a jujitsu reference or a weightlifting reference, right? And, and what, what's interesting and fascinating about that, and I, and I heard someone who has built a huge businesses say, is that the people that are outside the industry but are looking at the industry from, from a different perspective are always the one they're going to completely change it. And the Peter Thiel's and the, and the, and the Elon Musk's, everyone, these are not, these are not industry guys, so to speak, but they, they brought their external, like you're saying, you brought your ability to analyze a piece of, of ancient text. And what that really taught you is how to look at a business creatively. And so if you realize like I can analyze something creative in, in jujitsu, it's a very, it's a similar idea, which is that, you know, I can say calm under pressure. I can think under pressure. I'm not intimidated by maybe some big person choking me. Right. So, so if you have that ability to realize like I can sit and I can be super uncomfortable and I can still think and I, and just because it looks like it's a bad situation doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad situation and I can even if you have that re resiliency that's built into you right you can really apply that anywhere so I think that people that can look and again it's not that they were necessarily good at it but they just did it over and over again like a mother who's able to kind of get up and just you know be pleasant and friendly to her kids day in and day out I don't know about you but that is probably one of the most marketable skills that anyone would want anywhere you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes yeah obviously right she's like well, what, what kind of skill is that the answer is for sure that, that's such an amazing skill yeah, I mean, I, I come home and, you know, sometimes I'll tell my wife that, you know, you basically do what every single one of the department has that reports to me. You do all of those jobs and you do it, you know, plus you do my job and, you know, effortlessly. So, so that definitely is definitely truth to that. Now, um, just as we get getting to the end of this, uh, of this interview, um, can you tell me what is one thing that you're working on right now? Um, I know you refer to several different things, but what is something working on right now that really excites you, fires you up, and you know keeps you going? So my most my my most recent uh, is two things. My most recent four tell your story, but at the same time recognizing that if you're not telling your story via social media, you are nowhere, and no one can find you, and no one knows you. And uh, having gone through that very difficult process of trying to figure out, again, but to do a good job with social media, you have to be on there all the time. It has to be organic content. It has to be kind of multi-purposed in all kinds of different ways. And if you look at the ones that are like really dominating social media, they're not the ones that are doing it. They have a whole team. So what I'm very excited about right now is I've essentially created a system and created an entire company around helping people panic stories over social media speaking to niches that are too busy to sit on their computer all the time and try to figure it out so we're working with you know academics at the highest level uh, with a lot of clergymen who have spent time actually teaching and helping their flock as opposed to trying to play around and try to figure out facebook algorithms um to to a variety of other kind of niche people that are too that have a lot going on that really need a social presence but at the same time don't want to spend the time to learn it and there's really no reason why so we're trying to synthesize the brain power of analyzing what your story is and helping you know how to tell it with the practical of okay so we'll just kind of source the entire thing in in house awesome awesome um that's that is something on my business ideas list and i really have it, 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 yeah we can talk but because it, it literally bothers me like when i walk into random stores even if i don't even know who they are and i see an item which is very very much needed you know for a very certain niche audience but they wouldn't tell anybody that they're having the sale so what happens the only thing that happens is that that item they lose money on for a week or two or three and they gain nothing by it because nobody knew that they had the sale as opposed to bringing everybody and their mother into the store so that they can buy this item. And now those are people who can potentially become lifetime customers. But right. that's really awesome. 
but it's also, I mean, it's also an idea that we don't want to turn every, you know, every, every Tom, Dick, and Harry who's great at something else into a social media machine. Because it's it just like, I, when I start talking about this or podcasts, I can rant for hours. You see people's eyes are just like, you know, glaze over. So all I want, what I want to do is say, look, you sit down in front of a computer, turn it on and talk for half an hour a week about stuff that you are inspired about and let me figure out how to package it, how to put it everywhere and how to get your message out. So that's the idea that I'm trying to create um, or am, am in the process of creating. And I think that that what you said is so important. So the store owner, operator, the chef shouldn't be trying to figure out how do I manage my Instagram account. Awesome, awesome. If there is one book that you felt that has helped you come more in touch, and he looks at his bookshelf <laughs> with who you are, and really help you develop into what is that one book that you would recommend? So, so again, it's like asking me like my favorite band or my favorite movie. It's a little bit of a challenge. Um, so there's a great book called When I Stop Talking, You'll Know I'm Dead by Jerry Weintraub, who was a master uh, entrepreneur and politician. He worked with politics. And what was so inspiring about his story was the fact that you had this guy, kind of like what you said, who knew nothing about anything that ended up becoming a massive success, producing small movies like Ocean's Eleven and hanging out with the biggest stars in Hollywood and, you know, with the president and everything like that, because he just had that, that, that goal to sort of step up and say, I'm just as good as anybody else. The other one is called Extreme Ownership by a dear mentor of mine, Jocko Willick and Lake Babin, who are two uh, American heroes that are the Navy SEALs that ran the, the operations in Iraq and basically took all of their lessons of leadership and distilled it down into eight uh, eight, eight points, uh, which, which apply to business consulting and, and everything like that. And actually worked very nicely with our religious practices as well. Awesome. So I will definitely put a link to both of those books. Um, in the show notes, I have not read them yet. Um, when is your book coming out? So I actually, ha I actually have my book. My my problem is that I I put out too much content, and it's very hard for me to stop and write write things down. But I'm hoping next year I'll have a book out. Okay, okay, excellent. I'm excited to to see when that actually happens. Now, if any of our listeners want to follow up with you and learn more about any of the services that you mentioned. Uh, what is the best way for them to follow you? I assume you do have a social media presence. But yeah, you bet I do. <laughs> uh, tell, so, uh, what's the best way for them to find you and follow you? So the answer is I'm actually available all over the place. My website is Lift Your Legacy Podcast. Lift, L-I-F-T, Your Legacy Podcast. Com. You can get everything there. Um, and I have just a regular, believe it or not, a Gmail account, Rabbi Rupp, R-A-B-B-I-R-U-P-P at gmail.com and Jacob Rupp on all the different social media channels. If you put in Lift Your Legacy or Jacob Rupp, you will find me anywhere you want to look. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jacob, for sharing some of your information and just making yourself a little bit vulnerable, which is something you do very well on, yeah. uh, on your podcast. Maybe. <laughs> and Maybe it's, some, it's some, well, it could be. I don't think this is a thing is too well because we live in such a fake society Like people posting all different things on their social media profiles about you know, how wonderful life is. And many times the, you know, like, you're life. getting divorced right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. So, so, uh, but so for people to actually put, you know, I'm not saying that you have to advertise your flaws. Um, I know someone gave me that advice when I started dating is like, be yourself, but just not too much. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, you know, but, but that is something, you know, once, once you put yourself out there and people can kind of see who you are for real, First of all, the authenticity is so refreshing in a fake world and that, you know, people really, um, they tend to, you know, to champion around that. And, you know, there's something that's really special. So really keep, keep on doing uh, more and more wonderful things. I'm sure we're going to hear more exciting things coming from you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Shmoo, you're the best. Good luck.